Welcome to Disability Matters with your host, Joyce Bender. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on the show are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. Now the host of Disability Matters, here's Joyce Bender. I can't give my normal, excited welcome right now because I have to begin with expressing my sorrow and sympathy and outrage to the families in El Paso and Dayton, Ohio. I truly, and all of Voice America, send you our deepest sympathy, our prayers. But you know what? I'm a person of faith. And guess what? Now, now faith also requires works. You know what that means? We got to do something. We have to do something. In my childhood, high school, college, 20s, 30s, I until Columbine, I never could imagine all of this happening. Within a few hours? Within a few hours? And why is it that now today, it seems as if people say, oh, we have another shooting. Like, oh, we have another terrible thunderstorm. Folks, we got to do something. Uh, And one thing we got to stop doing is blame mental illness. That is not true. Mental illness does not cause this. Hatred causes this. Discrimination, hatred, racism, xenophobia, all of those things cause this when people use a gun. So you know what, Kelly? I'm sorry, but I just had to begin the show and express my deepest sorrow and condolences, and uh, Kelly Buckland, my guest today, is the executive director of the National Council on Independent Living, and just one of the best people I know, and a great disability rights leader in this country, and Kelly, how do I know you probably feel the same way? Yeah, well, I do, and there's no need to apologize. I'm really glad you gave uh, recognition to the victims and um, I can't um, agree enough that this is not about mental illness. This is about people killing other people with guns. So that's really what we need to keep focused on. Yeah, and I just want to tell you, all you're doing is creating more stigma for people with mental illness. That's all that's happening. No wonder people do not want to self-identify if they have a mental disability. Would you? Would you want to self-identify right now? You know all this is doing? Increasing unemployment of people with mental disabilities. So uh, Kelly and I, we know a lot of people with disabilities, that Kelly and I, Kelly uses a chair. I have epilepsy, and I'm hard of hearing. And guess what? 
our brothers and sisters with mental health disabilities, they are equally important. So, Kelly, I know we have a lot to talk about today, um, but would you begin by explaining what is the National Council on Independent Living and its mission? And also, if you could talk about your role. Sure. Uh, the National Council on Independent Living is a membership organization, and we basically uh, represent Centers for Independent Living and uh, statewide independent living councils and people with disabilities uh, on Capitol Hill. Um, and Centers for Independent Living are private, nonprofit organizations, non-residential uh, organizations run by people with disabilities, and um, that means that their boards of directors are at least 51% people with disabilities, and the staff are at least 51% people with disabilities. And um, so they, statewide independent living councils are uh, organizations appointed by the governor, and they're sort of like the planning bodies for independent living for that state. Uh, they help determine what the network of centers for independent living is going to look like and what the goals are going to be over um, like a three-year period. And so um, NICL advances the independent living and the rights of people with disabilities. And our mission and our vision really is that we see a world in which uh, people with disabilities are valued equally and participate fully. Um, my role is I'm the executive director, which means I get to do a whole bunch of different things. So one of them is work with a great staff that does, uh, we have a very small staff, but they do a tremendous amount of work. And it, it really, uh, what accomplishes a lot of our work are our members. Uh, we really are a member-run organization. And a lot of our work gets done by our membership, which means we do a lot of stuff by committee. We have uh, 35 committees with about 500 people serving on those committees at any one time. Well, well, Kelly, um, I think this organization is fabulous. Um, how how large is Nickel? And one thing people and they ask me this frequently: if you are a person with a disability, how and you're having you know, some issue, you're being discriminated against, or you're uh, just wanting to be independent in your living, how do you find an independent living center in your state? Okay, well, um, to go with your first question, we have about 1,000 members, so that includes Centers for Independent Living, uh, statewide independent living councils, and individuals, and it also includes... Uh, organizations like statewide uh, associations of centers, like a lot of states have a statewide association of centers for independent living, uh, plus, like I said, individuals and particularly youth. Uh, so with a 1,000 members, there, there are approximately uh, 700 centers for independent living across the country, meaning there's that many different locations, and you can find your local independent living center by going to our website, 
And on the right-hand side, or the right-hand column of our website, it says services in your community, and the first thing underneath that is find your local center for independent living, and it will show you a map of the United States. You can click on your state and find your city and find your center for independent living. It'll have their director's name, their phone number, their email address, and their website, and all their contact information. And Kelly, how does someone make a donation to Nickel? Because, you know, folks, we've got to help more people in this country with disabilities be independent. Um, And it's great to sit back and say, wow, that's really good what they're doing. But guess what? You need money to do these things. So, Kelly, how does someone make a donation to Nickel? Well, first of all, thank you, Joyce. We, we really appreciate that. Uh, and you can do accomplish that the same way as finding your Center for Independent Living. If you go to our website, uh, on the top banner where it lists out the different sections of the website, on the far right-hand side, there's a big red donation button. You can click that, and it'll take you right to where you can make a donation to us. And if and you I don't want to just do say- Go ahead, you Kelly. Just, you wanted to send us a check. You can send it to uh, Nickel at 2013 H Street Northwest, 6th floor, Washington, D.C., 20006. You want to repeat that? Yeah, it's uh, 2013 H Street Northwest, 6th floor, Washington, D.C., Two zero 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 six. Okay, and the website again. Oh yeah, that would be helpful. The website is <laughs> www.ncil.org, and our phone number is two zero two two zero seven zero three three four. I would just say if you can go to uh, ncil www.ncil .org, I would suggest you go there. You'll find everything out about uh, Nickel, uh, which, which is what the National Center on Independent Living goes by Nickel. You will be able to easily find out what they're doing, where you can help, and where you can make a donation. And as I said, Nickel does so many great things. Um, you know, I've known Kelly for a while, and he is, like, just the most awesome person. And, Kelly, we think about you all the time and our sympathy to you since your wife, Meryl, passed away, who I love so much. And yet, he has never stopped his fight and advocacy for people with disabilities. So, Kelly, what are some of the main programs and policy Nickel advocates for? Well, we've been uh, pushing a lot for the passage of the Disability Integration Act, or DIA. Uh, Specifically, the House side, because we have the votes secured, basically, to pass the bill. We just need to get a hearing. And that bill would uh, guarantee people the right to live in the community. So we've been pushing hard on that one. Uh, We also have been really working hard 
to make sure that the voting process is accessible. And then uh, the number one issue uh, that came up on the survey of our membership this last time around was housing. Um, Housing has become a real challenge for a lot of folks, especially in cities where they're just uh, really is difficult to find housing that's affordable. Um, a lot of cities in California and New York have just become so expensive to live in. Uh, now of course, there's other states as well, but just to name those two, there's, there's a lot of um, cities that have become so expensive to live in that people with disabilities really have just priced out of housing. Uh, so that's a huge problem that we've been really trying to work hard on. Boy, that is awesome. That is awesome. Uh, well, I want to talk about RevUp. I know you love RevUp. So how important is RevUp to you for people with disabilities? Well, rev up really is important. I mean, it's important because it helps get people out to vote, and that's uh, really important at this point, at this juncture in our country, uh, that people express their opinions by casting their vote. And uh, as I mentioned earlier, that's not always been that accessible for people with disabilities. And so uh, rev up really helps get people... Um, educated and uh, get, helps them get registered to vote and then helps them uh, get to the polling place and vote. And it's a program run through AAPD, the American Association of People with Disabilities. But there's a close uh, connection and coordination with NICL and Centers for Independent Living. A lot of the state programs or local programs actually are being uh, coordinated or run by the Centers for Independent Living with the assistance of AAPD and NICL. So it's a, it's a really good program to help people get educated, get, help them get registered, and then help them get to vote. Uh, if I might, Joyce, I might also just talk about a couple of other projects that NICL has been working on uh, outside of RevUp. One of those is um, we put together a toolkit for campaigns on uh, specifically how they can uh, incorporate people with disabilities into their campaigns. Unfortunately, a, a lot of the campaigns around the country, um, and that includes the presidential campaigns, if you can believe it, uh, are really not accessible for people with disabilities to get involved in. A lot of the volunteer activities and a lot of the uh, fundraising activities and a lot of the campaign activities simply aren't accessible to people with disabilities. In fact, uh, recently all of the uh, Democratic campaigns were uh, criticized because none of their websites were accessible uh, to people who are blind, or for that matter, people who have a hard time reading uh, websites because of other disabilities as well. So um, that toolkit's very helpful in telling campaigns how to become, how to get people with disabilities more involved, and uh, that also helps lead to people with disabilities running for office. And we have been, uh, or we created a, a database where we're tracking now the the people with disabilities who are running for office, 
uh, both national, uh, local, and uh, state uh, campaigns. So, and there's a lot more people than you might think uh, with disabilities who are running and, in fact, getting elected to office. Yeah, and you know what? Everything you just said is so important uh, because people have to be able to vote. And you know what? Vote. If you're listening to the phone, you have a disability, vote. You cannot make any change by talking about it. You have to vote. And that is really great. Um, Kelly, if people want information on that, is that at your website? Yeah, I think the most comprehensive uh, information on RevUp is actually on the AAPD website. But uh, uh, No, I'm sorry. I meant what you're doing, the work you're doing at Nickel. Yes, it is on our website. It's on the right-hand uh, side of our webpage as well. In fact, we also ran a, um, a series of webinars on training people with disabilities how to campaign for office. And those are all archived on our website as well. And you can find those uh, in the right-hand column as well. It's called, uh, what we called it was Elevate, uh, E-L-E-V-A-T-E. And it's a campaign training for people with disabilities. And you can go to that link and it will have the web, all of the webinars are archived on the website. And you can watch those and uh, learn how to run for office. Wow, that is awesome. That is great. Well, hey, with that, listen, we got a lot more to talk about, but before we move on, it is time for our news break, Advocacy Matters, with Perry Jude Radisic from Pennsylvania Disability Rights Network. Are you there, Perry? Joyce, I am, uh, and uh, thank you for starting the show off uh, with the um, response to the shootings in uh, Dayton, uh, Ohio, and El Paso, Texas. Uh, the past weekend, really, we have seen a monumental amount of violence at the hands, not of people with mental illness, but really at the hands of of what we call domestic terrorists. And yes, this um, categorization of, of these shooters as uh, domestic terrorists is intentional. Well, this country is under siege due to this type of violence. Many of our elected officials have decided to use the disability community, as you said earlier, Joyce, as both a scapegoat and a pacifier and blaming mental illness as a way to avoid the very real dangers of racism and xenophobia only further endangers those with complex uh, mental health care needs. And after each mass shooting, uh, we have to say that these stereotypes that these people perpetuate uh, in the media only further marginalize those of us within the community uh, with lived experience. And in many ways, uh, sometimes our community, even our community, Joyce, is complicit in the racism uh, that inspires such horrific events by giving into the narratives um, of promoting xenophobia and racism uh, 
So we have to be careful. We just have to be careful. This is a dangerous game, and we can't play into it. And we have to make sure we call it either white supremacy, domestic terrorism, and not scapegoat people with mental illness. Uh, And we know that there have even been calls recently to further stigmatize people with lived experience uh, by even calling for more institutionalization of people uh, with lived experience. Now, our Protection and Advocacy Network in Disability Rights Pennsylvania is part of our National Protection and Advocacy Network. We were created to fight against abuse and neglect and to respect the autonomy of disabled people. So we're going to continue to do that, and we're going to fight back against this rhetoric, uh, as you are, Joyce, and we appreciate your leadership here as you started this show. So um, while the country's instinct regarding the disabled community has been to lock us away or refuse to deal uh, with what this is, domestic terrorism and white supremacy, um, here what we're going to do is make sure we guard against that um, and guard against abuse and neglect. So uh, we're going to continue in advocacy matters uh, to call it what it is, uh, racism and domestic terrorism. We're going to condemn the violence, uh, which you did so uh, artfully this earlier this afternoon, and, and we condemn it as well. Uh, we're going to combat the culture of racism that threatens so many, and we're going to continue to fight for disabled individuals. And that's what we do at Advocacy Matters. So uh, we'll continue with our Advocacy Matters segments next week, but we, had, we, we must uh, do what we can, uh, all of us, to condemn the rhetoric that's out there now, Joyce. And that's what we're doing at Advocacy Matters. Yes, and thank you, Perry, and thank you for speaking up about this. I know that um, Tony Coelho, the author of the Americans with Disabilities Act, has been so upset. He's, you know, whether Republican Party, Democrat, he really is angry that more people aren't saying this is wrong to say this you know, about mental illness. Now, I do know Vice President Biden did uh, talk about this last evening on CNN, and I thank you, Vice President Biden, but everyone needs to speak up because guess what? Everyone has someone in their family somewhere with some type of mental illness. Now, I want to tell you, uh, mental illness goes from depression to schizophrenia, to bipolar disorder, you know, across the board. But to say that, you know what else that does, Perry? Now you're going to have young people with a mental disability. Oh, my goodness, they have to make sure they're not attacked. Absolutely. And 20% of the population has anxiety. So it's not okay. It's not okay for this rhetoric uh, to blame people uh, with lived experience. It's not okay. And uh, so more of us need to speak out and call it for what it is, domestic terrorism, white supremacy, and leaders need to address that issue and quit blaming people with mental illness. 
Yeah, because one other thing I have to say about that, Kelly and Perry, is uh, you do know there are people with in, uh, mental illness that live in all these other countries. So what's happening yeah. there? What is happening yeah. there? How can you say this when there are people with mental illness living in countries throughout the world, but this isn't happening? So, you know, I, I just, I, I'm on the board now of the Basilon Center, but I, and I feel strongly about this, uh, but I would feel, you know, I'm on the board with Perry of Pennsylvania Disability Rights Network. I'm on the board with Kelly of the American Association of People with Disabilities, and we all have to raise our voice or you're going to hear about uh, a shooting at some facility trying to help people with mental health disabilities. So, Perry, thank you, and thank you for continuing to carry the flag. Yes, of course, Joyce, and and, uh, thank you for your leadership. Yeah, you know, Kelly, saying mental illness and hatred pulled the trigger, not the gun. What do you think? What impact do you think that would have on people with mental illness. Well, you're right. I mean, you, what you said earlier was exactly right. It, it just furthers the stigma that's already out there. Uh, I read Baslon's statement today. It's a very good statement, and uh, I would encourage other people to read it as well. The Autistic Self-Advocacy Network also sent out a statement, which I think is uh, stellar and really says it the way it is. The, the comments uh, um, that uh, the president made, and I think earlier in the week, and the stuff that was just mentioned around racism and xenophobia just has fed this whole thing. And so we really have to put the blame where it, where it rests and uh, not further stigmatize people with disabilities. We, we know from research that people with mental illness are far more likely to be victims of violence than they are perpetrators of it. And so we all just need to remember and keep that in mind. Right. And, and often the person hurts themselves. I mean, that, that is a fact that, um, you know, everyone, you could probably tell I'm fired up about this, but we must take a stand. We mu- and I am telling you, People with any type of mental illness, they will never, ever, ever want to voluntarily self-disclose. I mean, they don't want to now, but oh my goodness, with this, forget it. They're not going to ever want to do it. Um, Next year, Kelly, next year is the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. And yet, as you well know, 70% of people with disabilities are not counted in the workforce today. What do you think needs to happen to change that absolutely abysmal fact? Well, I think a lot of people are trying to do a lot of good work around this uh, to get more people involved, including you, Joyce. I mean, you've done a lot of work to try to increase that number of uh, people involved in the workforce. 
But I really, truly believe that until we change the benefit structure in the United States, uh, we're going to continue to struggle to, with that number. We have a system that was that's really antiquated and uh, was created, you know, decades ago for a different time and a different world at the at that point, and it really hasn't uh, kept up with the times. I mean, you have to swear you can't work in order to get benefits, and then how do you go to work when you've already sworn you can't? And then uh, if you do go to work you'll lose the benefits that took you years to get into place. And so we really have to do some work around how the benefits are structured in the country, and uh, we need to de-link them from employment, in my belief. Well, you know, again, this stigma just furthers the problem, right? Uh, you know, the, if things like this, we already have ignorance and fear with companies today of hiring people with disabilities. So once again, you know, Tony Quello always told me, when you get a chance to take the podium, speak up. And if you're listening to the show, speak up. And you know what else? If you know someone and you think they need to hear this show, you have them go to Spotify or Apple and go to podcast and they can hear this show. And, you know, all my shows are on Spotify and Apple. Um, tell people, share this. Really, I'm serious. Share this with other disability groups, with just people you know, but you need to tell people about this show. Um well, Kelly, we talked about this once before, and I wanted to talk about it today because I know this is um, very important to you. In our country today, let's say there are parents and they are both blind. Could they have a chance of taking, of having the state take their children, child from them at birth? Oh, yeah, I think they stand a very good chance of having their children taken uh, at birth. I mean, before there's any allegations of uh, abuse or neglect, uh, they stand a very good chance of that. Uh, Again, because of stigma and uh, different beliefs, people just don't understand that people who are blind, two blind parents can't make great loving and caring parents that, that raise uh, wonderful children. I mean, 37 states in, around, in, in this country, I think uh, we've got one that's about to pass some legislation, so it may be 36 soon, but right now we have 37 states that you can have your child legally taken from you for no other reason than the fact that you have a disability. So it is definitely a problem. And uh, we know, though, that where most people with disabilities lose custody of their children is in divorce court, and that's because the courts have the same biases and stigmas that we just talked about in regards to employment around parenting, and so they base the placement of children on the, uh, quote, best interest, unquote, of the child, and uh, they pretty much always believe the best interest of the child lays with the 
that doesn't have a disability. And tragically, we've actually seen cases where that has uh, ended up being uh, much more detrimental to the child. The parent without the disability was actually abusive, and then uh, the child ended up being placed back with the parent with a disability, but only after they had uh, gone through abuse um, from the other parent. So um, we need to make an evaluation system in this country where uh, people are evaluated based on on their parenting skills, and those evaluations really need to be done by somebody who knows about parenting with a disability. Uh, but yeah, we still have a real problem around parenting, and it's what, as you know, Joyce, it is one of my passions. Um, me and my wife, Merle, both had disabilities. You know, she had epilepsy, and I had uh, quadriplegia, and uh, we raised what I think is a fine son, and he's. Uh, He's a real productive citizen, and um, he's a good guy. So I think it shows that the parents can really be loving and, and have a and be great caretakers too, for that matter, and uh, have disabilities. So I mean, it's actually horrible to hear this. But I, how does that happen? Actually, how does that happen? Does the hospital make that decision? I mean, who makes that decision? Well, in the case of, of uh, the child being uh, taken away at birth, it usually is the hospital, either the nurses or the doctors call child protection, who then comes and removes the child. Um, which is, you know, interestingly enough, I, I was a child protection worker as one of my first professional jobs. So... I mean, there is a role for child protection, but uh, it's to uh, rescue children from real abuse and real neglect, not uh, not perceived uh, abuse or neglect. And so um, that's kind of how it happens is they, they get called into a situation by the hospital, the doctor, the nurses. And then, like I explained in the courts and divorce, it's just the biases of the judges and the, and the judicial system. And the way the laws are written, I mean, the laws are written to be actually discriminatory against parents with disabilities. That you really have to go in to the custody laws uh, in each state and pretty much rewrite them. Although there is uh, some protections under the Americans with Disabilities Act, and um, the Department of um, Health and Human Services, along with um, the Department of Justice put out a joint, uh, basically, guidance on uh, parents with disabilities. And the court systems are not immune. I mean, they have to comply with the ADA. So when they're making those decisions, they're actually violating federal law. So, uh, But people usually don't know that they're protected under the law and uh, don't enforce their own rights. That's the problem, or one of the problems. Yeah, it's just absolutely terrible. Uh, but right now, hey, we're going to come back in a minute with Kelly. But right now, we're going to go to break. If you just joined us, we are talking to Kelly Buckland, Executive Director of the National Council on Independent Living. Don't go away. We'll be right back. <music> We'll be right back. 
Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Since 1985, Bender Consulting Services has served as a national leader in advancing employment of people with disabilities, including veterans with disabilities, with private sector companies, and federal government agencies. Bender assists customers with achieving their diversity and workforce inclusion initiatives by tapping into a talent pool of individuals seeking professional positions, including those in the STEM fields. In addition, Bender services include disability employment consulting, training and technology accessibility through their high-test line of service. For more information, please visit www.benderconsult.com. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You're listening to Disability Matters. If you have a question or comment, call in toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Now please welcome back the host of Disability Matters. Here's Joyce Bender. Hey, welcome back, everyone. If you just joined us, we are talking to Kelly Buckland, the Executive Director of the National Council on independent living. Something, and before I ask my next question, um, www.ncil.org, that's the website that for the National Council on Independent Living. Go to that website and make a donation. Go to the website and make a donation. And you know what? If you can give a lot of money, oh, Kelly's going to love that. But if you can give a small amount of money, that counts also. Right, Kelly? Absolutely. Uh, so, I'm sorry. In fact, a ahead. lot of times, some of the, some of the donations that we get um, are the small donations. A lot of times are really meaningful because people who really can't afford to give them, give it. So, we really appreciate anything that people can contribute. Right, Uh, ncil.org, because I've had people say, well, I'm not going to donate, you know, I don't have that much to give. And I'll say, really? Do you have $5? I mean, I don't care what it is. Everything matters. Everything matters. So uh, don't forget, make a donation. Kelly, something I had wanted to ask you about that, that I didn't mention when we were talking about all the things you do at Nickel is you have done so much work trying to encourage young people to be disability rights leaders. H- how do you think that's going in our country, Kelly? Do, do you know how, how do you think we're moving in that area? Well, I think we've got some great young advocates out there that really are taking the lead. Um, I'm very encouraged by our young people with disabilities who are uh, really coming, stepping up and really taking a lead in, in a lot of the areas that we're working on. Um, so I actually, I mean, I, it's going to take all of our efforts to get every young person we can involved because the movement will fail without them. But I'm really uh, encouraged and energized, frankly, by all the young people who are uh, coming into the movement and stepping up and taking leadership positions. Yeah, I am too. 
I am too. And I hope more and more young people, you know, when I talk to young people with disabilities, I tell them all the time, you know, if you want to make, if you want to be an advocate, you want to make a statement, first of all, get involved in disability rights right in your local community or the state or federal. I mean, there is so much you can do, and we need everyone's voice. I just hope we start getting more and more training, uh, Kelly, for young people with disabilities to move into advocacy, because we need everyone. We need everyone. And I always say, you know, you can't depend on the known names as disability leaders, We need new leaders. That's why I am, by the way, so excited that Maria Town is the new CEO of the American Association of People with Disabilities because it is so great to have a young person. I mean, Helena Berger, let's start here. She's so phenomenal. I mean, it was her choice to retire, but she is a star that did turned everything around positively for AAPD, but if we, because she retired and we went out on a search, I'm glad that we chose a young leader. What do you think about that? Oh, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I was um, very excited to have Maria come to work for AAPD. I think she's going to be a tremendous asset. Uh, As you said, you know, Helene has done a fantastic job, but, uh, she chose to retire, and I'm really glad we replaced her with somebody who's young and energetic and uh, very knowledgeable and a great leader. So, yeah, All we can do is continue to move forward, as you are, Kelly. So next year's the 30th anniversary of the signing of the Americans with Disabilities Act. Kelly, what, uh, what do you have? planned, or I assume you are, as I said that, just in the planning process, but I'm assuming you're going to have a uh, big event for that day. Am I right? You're right. We're, we're planning a, a nice, intimate gathering of uh, 2,500 of our closest friends to come and celebrate the ADA with us. So... Um, Kind of jokingly, but we're we're uh, at the 25th anniversary. We had uh, close to 2,500 people, and uh, we're expecting at least that many uh, on the 30th anniversary. So we are starting the planning process. Um, we're close to picking a date. We already have pretty much chosen the venue. It will be at the Grand Hyatt, uh, and it'll be in conjunction with the Nickel Conference next year. So that's a good reason for a lot of people to plan on coming to the Nickel Conference next year is uh, we're going to have a big party to celebrate the 30th anniversary. And uh, do you have the dates yet for the Nickel Conference? The dates of the conference are the 19th through the 23rd. 19th through the 23rd. Of July, of course. Yeah, of July. Right. It is just so hard to believe, Kelly, that... The ADA was signed 30 years ago, and here we are still fighting the fight for employment. It really makes you wonder about how, in this country, people with disabilities have been viewed due to stigma. But with you, with other leaders, with AAPD, and with all these young people coming forward, 
we're going to keep fighting that fight to turn that around. Don't you agree? Absolutely, 100%. Um, it is hard to believe that we are still fighting some of the fights we're fighting after 30 years, but, um, well, like you say, with the leadership of new people, maybe they'll, maybe they'll figure out the key that we haven't quite figured out yet on the employment stuff. Hopefully. Yeah, I know one of the key. You know what one of the keys is, Kelly? If we get everyone out there to vote, if we get this huge group to vote, because when you get a big enough group voting, guess what? You're going to start having the presidential candidates listen to your voice. And that's when change will start happening. You've got to vote, everyone. Get registered to vote. Tell everyone. And by the way, before we close the show today, uh, Kelly, a question I had. What do, what do we do to make sure people with disabilities in assisted living or nursing homes get to vote? Well, that, there's actually, that's where centers can really be helpful. Uh, they can go in and make sure people get registered, and they can uh, help arrange, arrange transportation to the polling places or uh, arrange for someone to come out to the nursing home and uh, have people vote there. That's perfectly uh, doable and appropriate. So uh, that's something else they can help plan. Well, we got to think about that and absentee voting. But, you know, you got to think about all these things. You've got to get out there, and you've got to think about all these things. Kelly, it has been an absolute pleasure to have you as our guest today. Um, You are just an awesome person. And I also want to support everything you're doing at the National Council on Independent Living. Do you have any message you want to leave with our listeners today? around the world. Joyce, I just want to thank you for having me. It's always, uh, it's always a pleasure to be a guest on your show, and I, I love talking to you anyway, but uh, being on your show is always a pleasure for me. And just uh, would encourage everybody to lead on and uh, continue the great work that you're doing out there. Thank you so much. Uh, well, you know, When I thought about everything that has happened, I could think only of one quote to end our show today, and that is, darkness cannot drive out darkness. Only light can do that. Hate cannot drive out hate. Only love can do that. So you be kind to someone today. This is Joyce Bender, America's Voice, where disability matters at voiceamerica.com. Talk to you next week. Voice America would like to thank you for tuning in. Please join us next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time and 2 p.m. Eastern Time for another installment of Disability Matters right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. We are the leader in live Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Thank you.